Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. As I've been preparing this time, we are approaching the day of Pentecost, the day that God poured out his Holy Spirit upon his church. It was as if tongues of fire fell upon the disciples. From that moment, they were utterly changed. The church became a reality and the world would never be the same again. I wonder if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read from the second part of verse 14. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, As we come to this passage, Lord, would we know your Holy Spirit, your power from heaven. May we know that upon us, within us, Lord, would you baptize us afresh, fill us anew, O Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that piece of poetry, or it's perhaps a verse of a hymn in the early church. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's something about those words that that grab me and inspire me. I find myself regularly praying them particularly over myself or over our church, crying out to God that we would be awakened. Sleep is one of the most mysterious things that we all do or or we try to do. We're told that in order to be healthy, we need to sleep. Uh, Between six and eight hours, we're told, a night is healthy, it's good, it's restorative. But here, Paul is talking about sleep that is not good. A kind of sleepwalking 
a deadness to God, being asleep to him, slumbering in the darkness and missing what God is doing, where God is at work, living in deeds of darkness, in shameful ways, Paul has been talking. So shameful that it would be wrong even to to mention them. And so he cries to this church in Ephesus, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. One of the the most complex things perhaps about sleep is you don't actually know when you are asleep. You're not aware that you've been asleep until you wake up. Perhaps like me, there are nights when you trouble to sleep. It's difficult. You toss and turn uh, and you despair that you will ever sleep. And then a few hours later, you, you wake up and you thought, oh, I did. I got some sleep. I was asleep. There's a deep truth here for us that we may be asleep and not know it. So Paul says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's as if he is saying in the words of the hymn, the night is past, the day has come, where darkness reigned, the light has shone, our Christ in resurrection life appears, his presence banishes all our fears. That's what's happening here. So Paul tells this church, wake up. He tells you, he tells me, wake up. Stop slumbering. Stop folding the hands. Now he's not talking about physical sleep. He's talking about the complacency that allows our relationship with God to cool. The step back that we take, the decision that we've arrived, that we have it all. And he says, wake up, look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. What an incredible phrase. Look carefully. We're called to examine how we're walking. I I have to be really honest with you today. This morning I I was reading Titus and I saw that there Paul was commanding Titus to watch the way he lived, to be gentle in his speech, not speaking evil of anyone, to be perfectly courteous. I was so challenged by that, that I prayed and I asked God, help me please to to be gentle in my speech, to be kind, to speak evil of no one and to 
be perfectly courteous. And then as I arrived at church, someone was parked in my parking space. And I found myself not being perfectly courteous and not being kind. I was just ashamed of myself. I wasn't watching the way that I walked. In fact, I'm so aware that as a preacher, I can undo the, the, the words I say in the pulpit with my actions outside of the pulpit. And it's true for all of us living our Christian lives in the places that we live them out, in our workspaces, in our homes, in our families, that we can undo what we say we believe about God by our actions. And Paul says it it shouldn't be so. Instead, we're to make best use of the time. Because the days around us are evil. There's so much around us that that grieves the heart of God. There is so much brokenness and destruction. And yet we have been called not to call down judgment on the brokenness around us, but to be part of the rescue crew, part of the cleanup squad, arms and hearts open to, to gather in and care for the broken and the displaced. The days are evil. Make the most of each day, Paul says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Again, we we read these words and we're deeply challenged. And we say, Lord, just like Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, how can we live this way? The best intentions of the world come to nothing. The best intentions of my heart come to nothing. Paul goes on, and don't Get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery. It's just this list of things to to wake up, to live wisely, to walk wisely, to make the most of, of my time, to not get drunk, not escape into to alcohol or, or food in my case. How are we going to do this? How on earth can we live this way? Well, the very next verse tells us, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. This is how we're going to live this. He goes on addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord with your heart. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there would be a, a joy that is expressed in worship. 
He goes on giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says there, there will be a gratitude that, that comes from deep within and it will be over everything from the largest to the smallest of things. When I'm under pressure, and perhaps when you're under pressure too, what is the first thing that disappears? Our patience and our gratitude. We get grumbly. We complain. We We might say, Paul says, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a joy that is expressed in song, a melody in our heart that carries us. There is a thanksgiving that, that overwhelms us. And there is a submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There is a humility that is born of our love for Jesus, our picture of him the one who was God but did not see equality with God as something to be grasped, but poured himself out, made himself nothing, taking on the likeness of a servant, being obedient, obedient even to death on the cross, that God would lift him up so that every knee would bow and every tongue confess. Paul is saying when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that is how you will be. You cannot live this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. The church came into being because God poured his Holy Spirit upon them. And the church was born. If you're going to live this way, the way that Christ calls us to live, you and me, we are never going to do this on our own. No matter how committed, no matter how enthusiastic we are. Paul makes the point that alcohol changes our behavior. Don't get drunk on wine, that's debauchery. We get giggly. We, we get silly. Maybe we get angry or cantankerous when, when we're drunk. Some people become lovely. Other people become unpleasant, objectionable. Just as alcohol changes us, so does the Holy Spirit. But in a so much better way. There is another spirit, the Holy Spirit, who changes our behavior and helps us to live the Jesus life. Just as we can be intoxicated with alcohol, we can be intoxicated with God. We can be changed by him, and it will affect everything, our gratitude, our joy, our submission. 
So no wonder in the middle of these sentences of what we are to be like is this phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to say a few things about this. The first thing to notice that again, this imperative to be filled with the Holy Spirit is in the present tense. Go on being filled, Paul is saying. This is not something that's just done once. This wasn't just done once on the day of Pentecost. This is something that is continually to be happening in our lives. We are to day after day seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's also clear from this passage that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is not merely to make us happy, but to make us useful and effective. The Holy Spirit came not for our enjoyment, but to make us employable. Jesus, when he spoke about the Spirit, would often talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit. We, we see John the Baptist mention it first. It's in Mark chapter one, verse eight. And he says, I baptize with water, but he who will come after me will baptize with fire, the Holy Spirit. In the moments before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples almost word for word the same. He said, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 1 verse 5. And this promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus talked about this baptism of the Holy Spirit, he made it clear that it was this that would help them live the kingdom life. It was for this that they were to ask the Father, seek the Father, knock, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Jesus would talk about the Holy Spirit as a power and a person this person who would run alongside of us this power who would equip us and credit us with the risen life of Christ that we may live like him in this world that is evil that we may do the things that he did spoke the way he spoke it's incredible Another thing I, I want you to see this is there can be no doubt in the provision of the Holy Spirit. Where, where Jesus tells us we'll be baptized, baptized is such a gorgeous word. It would be used of, of, of dye in a fabric. A fabric would be placed in the dye, submerged in the dye, and every fiber of the fabric would be changed, made different. That's this idea of baptism. 
If a ship sank, it, it could be said to be baptized. If you were utterly intoxicated so that you could not stand, you could be talked about as being baptized in wine. And so the links are clear. There is no limit to God's provision of the Holy Spirit. Be filled. There is, a, there is more than enough of God to utterly fill you that you would be overwhelmed by his presence, that every fiber of your being could be transformed and altered and empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled, he says. He's speaking of completeness. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This isn't a, a miserly giving of a bit here and a bit there. This is a generous wholehearted giving of himself to us. And that brings us on to the third. The one who fills us is God himself. This is God himself. It's good for you I go, Jesus says. Unless I go, he can't come. But when I go, I will ask the Father and he will send his Holy Spirit to you. This is God's provision. It comes from God's grace. The sheer generosity of the Godhead is given to you. Not based on your performance. Hey, this is for for, for the sleeping dead. This is for those who, who know they need God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest words in the New Testament is the word grace. Charis. The gifts of grace. Charismata, God's power, God's presence, God's person poured out on you. Throughout the Bible, we see that phrase. I, I noticed it in Titus chapter 3 as Paul was telling Titus to watch how he walked and live how he lived. He, talk, he talked about the Holy Spirit being poured out as if it was buckets of God's grace lavished upon us. So, so what about us? As we approach Pentecost, well, we need to take this present imperative to heart, to be filled. 
How, how do we do it? How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus tells us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be answered to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to whoever knocks, the door will be open to you. So we're going to do that together. And I would like to lead us in a prayer, asking that God would fill us with his spirit. Almighty God, I want to spend what remains of my life fulfilling your purposes and doing your will. I want to be completely freed from any area of darkness where your light and your life has not fully penetrated. I want to wake up and live my life as an obvious citizen of the kingdom of God and to be effective and a relevant part of the body of Christ. Father God, I will turn away from all wrongdoing and I will avoid everything that will lead me to wrongdoing. I ask you, O oh Lord, to forgive all the sins I have committed. I offer my life afresh to you and with your help and guidance and power, I will obey you as my Lord. I ask you now to baptize me in the Holy Spirit and to release me in praise, gratitude and submission in ways that I have never praised, thanked or submitted before. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.